0: Welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of Connections is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that gets us thinking, gets us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Happy New Year! This is our second show of 2019. If you joined us last week, many of you may remember that I'm inviting the Connections radio show audience to be thinking about the year ahead in terms of connections being full of paradox and finding the connections in the paradox. We can welcome and accept our paradoxes as guides to developing both our sense of meaning and actions we take. I believe we're creatures that need to find our way through at least three different paradoxes. On the one hand, we have the need for safety and stability and security, dependability. And on the other hand, we yearn for some surprise, some challenges, some excitement, some difference, although that can lead to a little bit of chaos as well. Secondly, we want to grow. We want to grow emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually and gain perspective for ourselves. But then we also want to contribute, we want to give back, we want to care we want to serve. Thirdly, we're all looking for what does it all mean? What does it mean for me as an individual? What do I mean? What makes me special? What gives me that sense of importance? What makes me worthy in my own right? And then on the other hand, we also want to be connected. In what way are we related? How do we communicate? How are we unified? How do we blend with others to create meaning together? How are we connected? So on Connections Radio Show, we want to create a safe place to have an adventure, to explore ideas that help us grow, as well as contribute to each other. And as we do all this, I hope that we continue to find our own meaning and create some meaning together. And there is paradox. When there is paradox, there's also tension. And when there is tension, there's a good drama. And so what better way to explore connections and paradox than to bring our wonderful theater partner to our show. Today we'll be talking about the Park Square Theater and all the ways it matters to us and our community. I'm excited to have my co-host, Michael John Pease, who is the Park Square Executive Director, but he is also my co-host on this radio show. Oh, I wouldn't
1: miss it. What a pleasure. <laughs> and I will promise to have this be the third broadcast in a row that I do not break any of your equipment.
0: Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun. We, we get into mischief on each of our shows. Uh, and And I hope you have added that you are a co-host to your resume.
1: Oh, yes. Good, good, sure. good, good. It's top of the, my biography now.
0: <laughs> so we've had already two shows at Park Square uh, that we've talked about. Sometimes There's Wine and Marie and Rosetta, both blockbusters, doing great.
1: Yes, both were record breakers. Uh, of, so... Sometimes There's Wine broke the record for an opening show on the Boss Stage. In fact, a show on the Boss Stage for attendance. And Marie and Rosetta broke the December
0: holiday slot record. Wonderful. I saw in the Star Tribune that they're also doing some stuff at Dakota together. So you've launched them.
1: They are, yes. So tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at the Dakota, you can hear the music of Sister Rosetta Tharp and Marie Knight.
0: Well, when we think of Paradox, I think of Park Square as an entity unto itself that has significance and meaning but I also see you as a partner uh, in the artistic community and you've got so many partnerships that you've created and supported as well as how you are a partner to our neighborhood and schools Share a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Well, one of the uh, productions that the public didn't see, that we didn't talk about this uh, last quarter, uh, was our December production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, which we did during the day, Monday through Friday, at 9 to 10 a.m. start time, which is the perfect time for theater artists to be up and about <laughs> creating drama and hilarious. I love your
0: irony. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: yeah, so we partner uh, annually with about 450 schools around uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and the Dakotas. And and so we had a sold-out run of Midsummer Night's Dream for so many of those students, the first time they'd ever been to theater. And um, because of our drive, particularly with the work that students see to make these classics um, accessible to all, uh, we are really conscious about casting diversely uh, for those roles. And there was a great comment that I, that I know our listeners today will just really appreciate from a teacher who talked about how much her, Ameri- her Asian-American students appreciated having Asian-American leads, and particularly uh, Asian-American, male romantic lead. Uh, and that actor enjoyed that as well. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it's was. it been uh, great to start off the year with such great response from students to our work.
0: I had someone on my radio show not too long ago talk about, "I I need to see who I am. And when I see who I am on stage, or I see who I am in politics, I know I can be that. Mm -hmm. And I think that the diversity that you bring to the stage inspires people to see who they are.
1: Oh, thank you. And we're sure going to see much more of that. So I should, as your co-host, give a shout out to one of our listeners that we know by name, our resident lighting designer, Mike Kittle. Good morning, Mike.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mike, I am glad you are a longtime listener. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
1: Well, we've got a whole crew of artists with us today.
0: Introduce them to us. All right.
1: Well, uh, to my left, for those of you watching on Facebook Live, is... uh, uh-huh. Kirby Bennett, the uh, Founder and Artistic Director of Girl Friday Productions.
2: Good morning.
1: <laughs> and she has also performed for our student audience in the Diary of Anne Frank yes, for years, right? Yes. So you know what it is to be up early to do art.
2: It's an exciting challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a great charged atmosphere, though. It's really wonderful spirit. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and next to her with the bronze coffee travel mug is <laughs> our Associate Artistic Director, Laura Leffler. Hi. <laughs> And then finally, the shiny new toy I've been talking about for the last <laughs> yes, two shows, yes. our new artistic director, Flor Delino Lagondino. Hello. <laughs> so Welcome. good
3: to be here.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Flor Delino. Thank you very much. I know that you start out a lot of shows with um, helping us with Flor Delino's name. You get everyone to be able to pronounce it correctly. Yes. And, and I love that little cheer. I think <laughs>
1: we're going to do it again at the board meeting on Monday night <laughs> because there were a couple of board members making their pre-show announcements during Maria Rosetta, <laughs> who were Tour, uh, picking a different <laughs> syllable. Yes.
3: Not to include. (laughs) Or a couple of consonants here and there too as well. That's fine. It's totally fine.
0: Well, on our show today, we're going to have each of uh, our guests be able to share about uh, the shows or projects that are coming up. Flor I know that in the next segment you'll be sharing uh, about the Artistic Fellowship.
3: Yes, it will be do yeah. it's great. We're we having a, a new Minnesota artistic fellowship that actually started before I was there. It was started with uh, Michael John actually Laura the um, they were principal drivers for that in, as long as in, in addition to Richard. So I'm excited to talk about that.
0: And tell us while we have a little bit of time in this first segment, um, where are you join us from.
3: I am coming from uh, Brooklyn, New York. That was the last place I was there. Was like three years, and then from by way of like Providence and Washington, D.C. and Alaska and all these different places. So exciting to, it's exciting to be here in one place for a little while.
0: I'm familiar with all of those artistic communities except for Alaska. Uh-huh. Um, tell us how you're seeing our Twin Cities.
3: Well, you know, the reason why I was really excited to be here is is the sense of community. And in particularly at Park Square Theater, I think that with the artistic residencies that they have, with the theater, theatrical residencies like Girl Friday, Theater Moo, which I knew about for a long time before I came here, um, I was excited to be here and, and in particular also that – Park Square is in the state capital of Minnesota. I think that's really important. When I was in Alaska, what was really great is I felt like the theater that we were creating was able to have kind of like a uh, like a civic civic engagement. It had had an ability to. Um, really talk to the community and I felt like the community was in support of the work that was was happening at the theater that I was working at. And so I, I felt that same way here in 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 uh, St. Paul and at Park Square that we have the ability to have that communi- uh that conversation with people
0: well, I'm glad you were also in washington d c. Yeah. Are you at arena stage
3: i've have been a fellow there. I've worked there too. I've worked all over in washington d c Shakespeare and, theater. oh sure, yeah. sure mm-hmm. Folgers.
0: I uh, have worked at Folger, Folger, Folger Theater, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. great, yeah. great place, and I think that being in a capital um, does impact.
3: It does, and I think that, like, definitely. I'm I was born in the Washington D.C. area, so politics has always been a part of whatever I've done. It's Like, why are you doing this show? What are you saying? I started Asian American theater, actually, uh, an ethnically specific uh, theater when I was in Washington D.C. because we wanted to lift what you were saying earlier, having um, the ability to see yourself on stage in Washington D.C. It's a, it was a very difficult thing. It was um, uh, um, there were there aren't actually any ethnically specific theaters there um, dedicated to Asian Americans. So even now, the artists that are there, because my theater that I started is no longer around, another Asian American theater is no longer around either. But they have a. Um, when I went and did a reading there a couple of years ago, they were all like, you know, all oh, we're craving for this kind of work to be done so that we can actually have a home for ourselves. So I think that this community is really special because of Moo, because of Penumbra, because of... Teatro del Pueblo, because of uh, Pangea. You have all these theater companies, new native theater, that have the abilities to, to give people that opportunity to see themselves.
1: Yeah. So, Lino and I had the chance. Uh, this is more on the civic level with uh, mm-hmm. our new mayor, Carter, uh, St. Paul's first African-American mayor and a old-time theater kid who has oh, uh, been to our field trips oh, and performed great. himself. Oh. So, uh, you know, there's sort of the courtesy meeting that you have sure. with the new mayor because we're a, quote-unquote, you can't see my air quotes unless you're on Facebook <laughs> Live, uh, a major cultural institution. In Saint Paul, the courtesy meeting, but this was well, so. You exciting. are a Saint Paul treasure. Sure, thank you, but this was so exciting because uh, Mayor Carter was sharing. You know what he wants to do f- to meet his goals as mayor for the city is really to make sure the community see themselves and see each other. Because he said we don't have a public safety problem. For example, the sense is, I think I need I'm safe, but I may need to be safe from people I don't know. Right. right, and so he's asking us as a theater, what are we doing to to make neighbors, to make people know the people around them? So some of the projects we'll get to talk about in the future that are bubbling up in the works, soon to be announced, uh, are are really going to drive to that.
3: Yeah, and I think that um, I just wanted to uh, give a shout out to Richard Cook, the not the founder, but almost the founder right. of, of the theater. But something that he talked about in in his um, going away thing, he's he's saying that he wanted to have people. Um, to everyone at the seat of the table, everyone in the community have a seat at the table. And that's something I definitely want to continue as we go along at Park Square Theatre.
0: Well, you have always been the, well, the Park Square Theatre, in my mind, has always been a very lively place for good discussion, for accepting um, diversity and promoting diversity and celebrating diversity. Uh, And for more information for you all, because I know that If you haven't checked out their website, you should. It's parksquaretheater.org. Also, Connections Radio has a new website, connectionsradiomin.com, and we've got community producers, so I want you to check out the listing of that show. And if you're on Facebook, check out Connections Radio Show and give us a like. Um, We'd love to have you continue to join the conversation about Connections. We'll be right back after just a few commercials that keep our show going. Have a good day. ¶¶
4: Hi, I'm Rose McGee, founder of Sweet Potato Comfort Pies. I invite you to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s 90th birthday and our Sweet Potato Comfort Pies fifth annual holiday of service. We'll experience the deep roots of African-American culture and its time-tested practice for fostering healing and constructive action. In the South, where Dr. King led his groundbreaking work for civil rights, Sweet Potato Pie has always been the sacred dessert of black culture. On Saturday, January 19th at Calvary Lutheran Church in Golden Valley, volunteers will bake 90 pies in honor of Dr. King. Then on Sunday, January 20th at Brookview Community Center in Golden Valley, community members will share their own stories to promote racial solidarity and healing, and together we'll determine who to recognize with a pie for comfort or courage. So to bake, register, or donate, please email us at sweetpotatocomfortpies at gmail.com. Together, we'll keep our eyes on the pies.
5: Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show, your source for elder care and caregiver solutions, inviting you to listen to our live call-in show airing on Saturdays from noon to 1. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding elder care and caregiver issues to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your best quality of life. Please join us this Saturday from noon to one for the Minnesota Hospice and Healthcare Show and learn more about us at minnesotahospice.com. Dear John, I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is serious and I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to when you checked on me? I don't want to leave. But remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart.
2: Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to
3: a healthy range today. Find out how at heart.org slash bloodpressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council.
5: This is Chad, owner of AM950. I've been telling you about my friends at Snap Construction who are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior construction company in the metro. Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at all their reviews online. Winter is the most cost-effective time of the year to complete your construction project. A majority of Minnesotans choose to have their work completed on their home in the summer when they should be enjoying the weather. As a result, the demand for labor in the summer is much higher. The most cost-effective way to improve or restore your home is in the winter due to the lower demand. Right now, Snap Construction is offering an additional 30% off of labor to the AM950 listeners on your next construction project between now and the end of February. Call 612-333-SNAP and mention AM950 for an additional 30% off. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Don't wait to get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available.
0: I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and today we're talking about Park Square Theatre, and I have my co-host, Michael John Peace joining me today. Good morning. Good morning, and Michael John is also the Executive Director of the Park Square Theatre.
1: And if you wonder what an Executive Director does, uh, one of the things is to hear fantastic ideas that are going to move us forward and go try to find the money for them.
0: (laughs) You know, it takes a special uh, passion and love of the arts to, to make the case, and you do it well. Um, well,
1: thank you so much. Right? It's
0: important, and, and I think the projects that you're working on right now for the fellowships are very important. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure.
1: Well, uh, Laura Leffler, who's actually with us this morning in studio, our associate artistic director, is the one who came up with the fellowship idea. So where did that come from?
6: Yeah, I think it was um, sort of a combination of a lot of the experience <laughs> I had in my own career, um, a combination of um, – Working uh, as an artistic administrator at the Playwright Center with their fellowship program that they do through the McKnight Foundation and the Jerome Foundation. And then in my own artistic career, being um, an early career director and trying to work in this town, in this place. Um, And there is a lack of opportunity for early career directors to have access to the larger houses, of course, um, the Guthrie, the Children's Theater, some of the real big guys in town um, have assistance from time to time. But a lot of them are come come in nationally, sure. so it's not necessarily the Minnesota artists who benefit from those all the time.
0: Not our homegrown.
6: Yeah, and you know. A lot of times, it's like, sure, come assist. We have no money, so you right. know,
1: right?
0: And expensive downtown
1: parking, <laughs> yeah. Can, please
0: come. And s- hours that may conflict with where you work, right? That's yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> you come sit
6: here for free, forty hours a week. Sure, go ahead. Um, so, sort of thinking about those two things in tandem, I started thinking about you well, know, all those playwrights who were helped by the fellowship programs of the Playwright Center, and what might it be like to have a similar fellowship, but that could help um, young directors, early career directors, um, and so. That was the original thing I sort of came to talk to Richard and Michael John about. And then Michael John was like, well, what about the designers?
1: Right. Well, it's always this yes and, right? Because mm-hmm. I was, as executive director, blah, blah, getting <laughs> um, really frustrated. By the frustration on the artistic front of, we want to diversify who's at the table, but the, in air quotes again, there is no one, right, right who's ready to work with us. It's like, well, then we have to make them ready. We have to go out Frozen. and find them before they're ready. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, we shopped this idea around, Laura and I did, and we were able to get uh, $114,000 in funding from between the bulk of it from the Minnesota State Arts Board Art Access Program. Wonderful. From your legacy dollars, from your additional sales tax percentage in Minnesota.
3: Thank
4: you. Uh, thank
1: you. Thank you, voters, and thank you, buyers. Yeah. And uh, 27000 from the St. Paul Cultural Star, which is also another uh, extra half a percent you pay in St. Paul of sales tax. So we All well
0: worth it. Thank it's you, great yeah. to buy
1: online, but when you buy in St. Paul, <laughs> your dollars contribute to the arts.
5: <laughs> <I love laughs> so it.
1: this was great when we got this news right as Floralina was on board, who again, Perfect. really, um, as, as a when his early days as an artist benefited so much from fellowships.
3: Yes. And I think I you know in in is saying like uh, early career I think it's also for this town I saw I think it's mid career as well because I think there are people that have been been directing in different places that it would actually actually benefit from um, uh, another fellowship opportunity. So I, I, f- I feel like because there's not a lot of opportunities to assist and do these kinds of things, people like you know maybe uh, maybe a, even like a, a costume designer is directing or an actor is starting to direct or an, a, a, you know like a director is starting to a costume design or something like that you know. But the but but they've been working in theater, but they haven't really kind of thought about the different um, steps that they need to do mm-hmm. in order to be a full artist in that in that discipline.
0: A career path can be very challenging to understand yeah. in the
3: arts. Exactly. And
0: when you can have a place to guide you yeah. and support you in the those critical decisions mm-hmm. and the experience that you need
3: exactly. is amazing. Yeah. So like something I'm really interested in like in the artists that we have coming forward is like is, is being in the fellows and also the artists that we're working with is like what questions are you asking? Why are you doing this show? How does the how does the set Design part of the storytelling how do you talk to a set designer? how does a designer talk to an, uh, um, uh, uh, an artistic director or talk to a director? So all these kind of questions can come up and even people who have been directing in town I think could, could um, benefit from this fellowship
0: right. so tell me who's the ideal candidate and do they um, do they uh, can a person who is working? In a day job, (laughs) be able to take this uh, opportunity as well? I, I think so.
6: Yeah, the way, the way that um, that we're structured sort of in terms of the actors that we work with. We work with both union and non-union actors, and especially those non-union folk often have um, some other sort of a day job. So for the most part, rehearsals typically are evening and then longer days on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, we, <laughs> we are able to accommodate people who have some other stuff they need to do as well. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. And how many fellowship programs are there? Is there, you know, one director or more than one director fellowship?
3: There are four directors and four designers. Wow. And the designers can be in any discipline uh, in design.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, anyone and all are welcome to apply, but we're really hoping that underrepresented voices, the um, women, LGBTQ, people of color, indigenous folks say, oh, this is the opportunity for me, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, versus a lot of... um, really high profile fellowships that are associated with Ivy League schools or where you have to you already have to have been in the pipeline somewhere you know you can be completely outside of a theater development pipeline Uh, but with a point of view and some skills and uh, and something to show us but uh, it really is meant for both either early career or early in this part of the art form
3: right yeah and I think that also well yeah go ahead
1: yeah. No, no. And applications open online <laughs> on Monday, January 14th. Uh, I will
0: post it on Facebook
4: great. as well.
1: And there is a stipend it's $4,000 for the year so uh, it, uh, at least will cover your parking and some time. <laughs> uh, so it is, uh, and based on sort of gigging fees around town, that's you know we've heard yeah you know, we can yeah. get by with that. Um, so you'll work on at least two projects.
3: I think one of the other things that it does is it gives the opportunity to get to know us. So um, so to be able to sit in the room together and to discuss and a lot of things a lot of things in theater depend on relationships. Mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity if you part of the thing is what I'm saying about mid career is like you may have been directing but I don't know you. Um, we don't know you. It's like it's an opportunity to sit in a room and actually discuss theater and, and discuss your ideas. And so it gives us opportunity. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll maybe take a chance on this person and see their work or develop a relationship with them so like maybe two years down the road, three years down the road, they can um, get hired. You know, I just did a, a really – Fancy Directing Fellowship, um, the Drama League Fellowship. That's where – one of the reasons why I was here last year at Blythe Spirit at the Guthrie. But um, at at the the Drama League, they say, don't expect – when you're assisting on something to get hired right away, it's just that relationship you're starting that maybe three years down the road, four years down the road, down the road, it's gonna um, come to fruition. So just be there, have a, um, be present in the room, and the rest will take care of itself.
0: I think it's also important, no matter what career you go into, that you begin to understand that it's all about the team, mm-hmm. and there's a culture to every theater. There's a culture to every work. Uh, spot that you end up in. And the team is important. It, yes. It's so interconnected uh, in theater. And you have a project with a timeline that's coming up. Uh, and you have to be there for each other. And that mm-hmm. becomes part of the evaluation, I think, in terms of theaters making the decisions that they do for director. You can be brilliant, but you also need to work as a team. Yeah.
2: Right.
6: And I think that's one of the exciting things about the way that this program is built is that it's not simply working on one show, mm-hmm. but it's being around for the entire year, multiple projects. And we're hoping that those eight folks, the four designers and the four directors, form a cohort mm-hmm. where they can support each other and have that sort of team.
3: Yeah, and they'll get to know each other. I and mean, there's a lot of these things, like you uh, know, from different people that go to graduate school, right? Mm-hmm. They, they they have all these different designers, and they become a team together. So this is an opportunity for directors just to not even just to work here, but to to work with the other designers that are there and then maybe start working with the other people that are um, uh, on our, our staffs as well.
0: Class of 2019. Exactly, that's right. So we'll be posting it on our Facebook page. You can also go to the uh, park square uh, I'm sure it'll be posted there yes. as well. Uh, and uh, give us a like if you're on the Facebook page on Connections uh, Radio Show. We'd love to keep the conversation going. We'll be right back after some uh, uh, commercials and we'll be hearing about two shows coming up at the Park Square Theater. We'll be right back. building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided upfront and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com.
5: I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the Eastside's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson's Pub.com.
6: I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind-body-spirit-emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion radio show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse
1: vitality into life. Tom Hartman here telling you that solar energy isn't just for environmentalists. Switching to all-energy solar is actually perfect for reducing your carbon footprint while also saving money on your monthly electric bill. The fact that solar panels cause no Earth-harming emissions while it's producing energy is a bonus. Who in the world could object to that? But they can also help you save money month after month for decades. And they do it with a clean footprint. So go green and start saving money today by visiting allenergysolar.com.
0: Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show. And together, we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
3: With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Haas. Today, increasing clouds with a high around 32. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 22. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 33.
1: Even though we're in Minnesota, we're not too cold or cloudy to go solar with All Energy Solar. Minneapolis actually gets as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. Learn what your options are to save on solar and visit AllEnergySolar.com today.
0: Radio show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and I have Michael John Peace, who is the executive director of Park Square, as my co host
1: today. Although being your co host is top of my biography. I'm
0: always glad to hear that. We've got a studio
1: full of folks. (laughs) Yes, uh, we do. Colleagues. So to my left is Kirby Bennett, who's the artistic director and founder of Girl Friday Productions.
2: Good morning. Great to be here.
1: And Laura Lovler, our associate artistic director.
2: Hi.
1: And our new artistic director, Flor Delino Lagundino. Good
3: morning.
0: (laughs) So we are going to be talking about Antigone in this segment.
1: We are, and it is an all-woman production, and Laura's actually in it. So. I am. <laughs> so,
6: Laura,
0: tell us about the production.
6: Yeah. Um, so it's a devised adaptation of the original by Sophocles. Um, so it draws on the original text as well as the ennui version, the famous ennui version mm-hmm. of Antigone um, for inspiration. Um, and then the director and the ensemble work together to create the script for the adaptation
0: devising is getting to be quite the thing They're, it's very cool a lot of people are doing it and it it's sort of improv but it's taking improv and actually creating the written script eventually that's or,
6: right yeah. Yep. so what uh what will start as an improv moment in rehearsal will then be sort of like passed through a handful of filters so uh-huh. it's it's definitely um got a sort of playwriting edge to it after the original um devising happens. Um, You know, it's interesting. I was doing a little bit of research about devised theater to create a little blurb in our program. Uh And... um it does feel sort of of the moment. It feels like a, something a lot of people are doing, especially a lot of companies in mm-hmm. town are doing right now. But it actually has classical roots. Does it? Tell me goes all the way back to like um, classical comedia dell'arte. Sure. And um, even further back than that. Um, and so it's really interesting that the just sort of the ways people make plays yeah. um, feels Stop, the, new can, and old all at the same time.
0: I can see the comedia dell'arte with sort of stock characters. That's right. And, and the stock uh story narrative lines that influenced Shakespeare. Yeah, you know, There was a lot of the Commedia dell'arte that, that fed into the Shakespeare narratives that he then took. So maybe Shakespeare was really a divisor.
6: Yeah. <laughs> so what was cool about Sophocles is he came after Aeschylus and as he was writing, he introduced the third character. All plays only had two characters before Ooh. then. So, whoa, I know. Um, Allowing
1: uh, directors to form triangles on, on stage.
6: stage. <laughs> Literally. Right, so it was it's all about that. Um, so, so, it was interesting the way Sophocles sort of pushed the art form forward and so it's cool to be working with this team of collaborators and also trying to sort of like push the story form forward in a new way
0: we were talking a little bit in break how this is a story of our time uh, as well Um, in the beginning of the radio show I I mentioned that uh, this year I'm really fascinated with paradoxes in um, our connections and here we have an environment where there is law, so there is stability and there is a, a way of doing things. But then there's this, um, this woman, this Antigone that's saying no. Uh, there's a higher calling than the law. Um, Tell me about that.
6: Yeah, you know, it's a time when we when we find this moment of the play. It's a time of great turmoil. Um, The people of Thebes have just gotten through a very um, divisive civil war, and uh, King Creon comes into power, sort of person who never should have been in charge, um, who is then um, thrust into power, and because of the unrest in the wake of the war, um, starts making some really severe rules. And one of the rules is about burial rights for traitors. Um, Antigone's two brothers were involved in the Civil War. One is seen as a hero, one is seen as a traitor. And so the new law says you cannot bury the traitors. However, Antigone comes forward and she, um, from her moral perspective, it is only appropriate to bury everyone.
0: And and it's more than moral from my point of view. I mean, her Mm. brother won't go to heaven. I mean, he is doomed if he is not buried. Um, It is
6: is from the gods. Yes. So um, so it's sort of what is religious law versus um, civil law, what is moral right versus uh, the government, et cetera. And the
0: duty. Is the duty to her family and to her brother or is it duty to uh, an immoral law? Yeah. And we are faced with laws that we look at or incentives that we are looked at or – programs that we are looking at and and speaking truth to power can be difficult. Yeah, I
6: mean, I think, I think now in the, I mean, hopefully the government shutdown will be over by the time the show goes into previews on February 1st. But I think going through this sort of like, you know, it's not a war exactly, but this um, unrest that is happening because of the government shutdown, I think, I think it's something that's on everybody's minds right
0: now. Well, there is a partisan divide. And the part is – both see it very differently mm. um, and both are blaming each other. Yes. Um, and they're both – there is an at war and, and there's a humanitarian crisis. At, you know, what is our moral responsibility to families and children at the border? Yeah. What do we need to do to have that relationship to support what we believe is right? And uh, how are we making it worse and how are we making it better and how can we talk about it? Yeah. So
1: what happened uh, from the first production of this uh, to this production uh, by changing the cast to be all women and?
6: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the decision was uh, the original um, production uh, in 2016 um, had um, all genders involved in the production um, and the choice was made this time to have an all-female and female-identifying cast. And I think that that has to do a lot with the gender politics that are inherent in the story, were inherent in Greek civilization and certainly in theater at that time, um, that there's a lot of text that is about um, Antigone cannot, because she is a woman, she is not strong enough because she is a woman, and that there's just heavily gendered language. So the creators, I think, were interested in what sort of... um, gender assumptions can we unturn by having an all-female cast? And, you know, it's interesting. You hear about all-male productions, especially of Shakespeare, Mm -hmm. um, commonly. And, you know, that was the way it was originally performed in Greece, all of the Um, artists, audiences would have been male. Um, So it's actually not unusual to have theater that is all a single gender in that way. It is unusual for it to be um, women instead of men.
0: Well, I'm Um, particularly happy that after a blue wave in 2018 with a lot of women going into power Mm -hmm. uh, and I see our our wave of wonderful women in Congress Mm -hmm. um, that we can recognize that women in power have rights and abilities and can speak truth to power.
6: Yeah, and I think I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, you know, there are some of these really meaty, wonderful roles that are written for men that we, you know, women don't ever get to play, especially in sort of classical theater. A lot of the really great roles in classical theater are written for men. And so giving women a chance to play those roles, I think is one interesting thing. Um, and then I was just, I was just watching a Facebook video earlier today with Chamanda Ngozi Adichie, mm. um, the, the novelist mm-hmm. saying, you know, just about some of the expectations that are different around the words that we use. Men are assertive, women are aggressive. Um, And this sort of thing and like how it is there's an unease about having women in power. Um, So I think by putting women very directly in power, by having female actors play these roles, um,
0: there's there's some interesting stuff there. Well, I think we'll also be seeing in the election in 2020 more women that are going to be vying for leadership positions. Mm -hmm. And are they judged differently? Because they're women, you know, are, is there, well, I, you know, I really like uh, all these folks, but, you know, there's something I'm not comfortable with. What is Mm -hmm. that? It's her vagina. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so what can we do to think about and talk about women and leaders, uh, women leadership? and that that's one of the things i also love about park square theaters that you present meaty topics for conversations to go on for quite some time yes but the core of that is always Entertainment that matters,
1: and the entertainment yes. is the core of that too. And this is a very fast moving show with a lot of action.
0: Uh, yeah,
6: if you, ever re- <laughs> if you ever read a Greek play in high school and you're like, oh, but everything happens offstage, and then the messenger comes and tells you about it.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Or <laughs> the is, chorus. Or the chorus. Uh,
6: that is not the case here. Yeah. Um, the the part of those devising methodology that was used to create the show brings a lot of battle sequences, a lot of movement sequences directly on stage.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is exciting. Right, so we get to see women warriors just like. Yeah. Wonder Woman.
3: Indeed. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, also, uh, in watching it, and and I was there for the first read through, and just like watching a little bit of what they're working on is like, yeah, it's very, very movement heavy, but it's also, um, it's Antigone. You know, it's it's I, you know, I was like, I was, I, I didn't know the show beforehand. I was like, okay, I won't, I'm cu- very curious about it. And it's like, oh yeah, but you're you're getting really great storytelling about Antigone. So that's that's really, um, I think, uh, um, something to really note. It's like the story is being told.
1: Yeah. And what's really interesting about our almost sold out student matinees for this run, oh, because wonderful. it's such a great crossover show, right, for mm-hmm. all audiences, is that we have a lot of schools who haven't come to Park Square before because schools that teach a lot of Greek drama and history are often conservative private schools oh, or conservative charter sure. schools. So, um Yes, they're getting the story that they came to see and they're getting some extra with it. The (laughs) production is a yes and to their thinking, which I just love.
0: The the paradox continues (laughs) and finding meaning and purpose in that. (laughs) So what part do you play?
6: I play Creon.
0: Oh my goodness. In <laughs> power. <laughs> oh. Creon who who shouldn't be in power. He's kind of a uh... He really
6: shouldn't. The way that the lines of succession should have gone, he never should have he never should have, but because of the tragedy sure. of Oedipus, there he is.
0: He took over. Yeah. And uh, not everyone likes him. No, and you know, and I think in some ways it's
6: like it's so fun to play the villain, uh-huh. to play the bad guy. You get to do so much fun stuff, um, but at the same time, I'm you know I'm trying to look at the world through his eyes and see you know through the character, and you know I think that there there's a lot that I keep going back to about the fact that they're coming out of this moment of mm-hmm. a, a lot of unrest, mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out how to how to deal with that and how to calm things down.
0: And although he's a jerk, mm-hmm. um, he does love his family. And, and i do think that you know we can see parallels to that as well but in loving the family it has to f- impact him it's not a, a easy decision for him to have his two nephews one be buried one not and then to have his niece Confront him on it.
6: Yeah, and I think that's something that this production does a good job of, especially, is really talking about in a deep way those family ties and the family connections. Mm -hmm. That you know, it'd be one thing if Antigone was just some person, but it's you know his niece that he's been you know loving you know as a sort of parental figure for a long time.
0: And being confronted, you know, not only by his family but those around him about is this a a moral choice? And he's sort of stubborn in in seeing it through to the end.
6: Uh, Indeed, yeah. I keep talking about him. He sort of has like a Christmas carol, like a Scrooge yeah. moment, you know, the yes. moment when Teresius the Spirit, like, visits him later and sort of, like, speaks directly to his consciousness. It feels a little bit like the Ghost of Christmas Future right. to me. So, yeah, yeah, just um, quandary.
0: Well, I'm looking forward. I'm coming on uh, February 2nd.
6: Exciting. So
0: I, I always love seeing the shows, and it, this is a great way to, to get ready for it, get to talk to cool people about all the all the behind-the-scenes. I feel like I'm backstage and having a <laughs> chance to talk with you all. Our next segment, will be talking about Skin of Our Teeth, the next show coming up as well. So stay tuned. A few short announcements, little commercials to pay for our, our great show, and uh, we'll be right back.
3: Why must the world be so cold? They've gone against what was told Thinking rape is cool, think about it They think it's not wrong, violence against women The rape, the abuse, the emotional, physical They all hold the hate, think about it Is it right or wrong? What attracts you? I'm not saying no names, but you laugh Talk about it like nothing is wrong, think about it They all hold the hate, gotta stop the violence
0: Stop the hate, think about it Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
5: This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch new beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
0: Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to ConstructionAdvocates.com. That's ConstructionAdvocates.com.
5: Minnesota's very best appliance shoppers choose Warner Stellion, home of the lowest
2: price guarantee and trusted free services. Warner Stellion's in store specialists will help you choose what's best for you. If it's worth considering, Warner Stellion has it. And now through the 23rd, we guarantee our price is lowest. Save more with our trusted free delivery, basic installation, holloway, and no interest financing. Don't wait. Get in on special appliance savings now through January 23rd from Minnesota's own Warner Stellion.
4: Hi, I'm Rose McGee, founder of Sweet Potato Comfort Pies. I invite you to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s 90th birthday and our Sweet Potato Comfort Pies fifth annual holiday of service. We'll experience the deep roots of African-American culture and its time-tested practice for fostering healing and constructive action. In the South, where Dr. King led his groundbreaking work for civil rights, Sweet Potato Pie has always been the sacred dessert of Black culture. On Saturday, January 19th at Calvary Lutheran Church in Golden Valley, volunteers will bake 90 pies in honor of Dr. King. Then on Sunday, January 20th at Brookview Community Center in Golden Valley, community members will share their own stories to promote racial solidarity and healing, and together we'll determine who to recognize with a pie for comfort or courage. So to bake, register, or donate, please email us at sweetpotatocomfortpies at gmail.com. Together, we'll keep our eyes on the pies. Welcome
0: back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And I have my dear co-host today, Michael John Peace, who is the Park Square Executive Director. Welcome.
1: Good morning, good morning. And I'm so excited to spend some more time with our guest, Kirby Bennett.
0: Yes, yes. We'll introduce all the folks that you've sure. brought.
1: So we've got Kirby Bennett, founder and artistic director of Girl Friday Productions.
0: Good
2: morning.
1: Uh, and Laura Leffler, of Park Square's associate artistic director. Hi. And next up the food chain, our <laughs> new artistic director, Floralino Lagundino.
3: Hello, hello, hello. <laughs>
0: That's a great hello. Thank you. So tell me about Girl Friday first, and then I want to talk about this great skin of our teeth coming up.
2: All right. Well, Girl Friday Productions is a little bit different than other companies in town because we really focus on one big production every other year. So we kind of put all our eggs in one basket, and especially for a small company, it's a little unusual to do that, and that process sort of developed organically over the, the early years of our, our development, but uh, uh, it enables us to do these really big shows with big casts and, and have really um, top-notch directors and designers um, uh, work with us. So we're, we're really thrilled to be partnered with Park Square, and we've been a theater-in-residence at Park Square for uh, three, well, three years now.
1: Yes. So they're the theatrical Brigadoon. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Out
2: yes, of the mist. <laughs> I like that. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll have to start singing Brigadoons. Yeah. Exactly. Our, Our very, very old Friday. Day. Right,
5: right.
1: <laughs> Worry skies this yes, year. Right. <laughs> yes,
0: right. Yes. <laughs> so we talked at the beginning of the show about paradox and uh, how there can be a sense of chaos as well as looking for order. Uh, Skin of Our Teeth has always been one of my favorite chaotic plays.
2: Yes, it is. Uh, it really looks at the catastrophes of humanity over the eons of time and follows this family, an eternal family, if you will, the Antrobus family, as they persevere through uh, um, all of the calamities that uh, uh, the human condition is uh, heir to. So it's, uh, you know, ultimately it's a really optimistic. Um, uh, tribute to the the human spirit, and I, I was with just, all of our foibles, uh, exactly. And uh, I mean, another way to describe it is a comedy about the end of the world <laughs> 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 that keeps repeating itself, rinse and repeat.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's so apropos, I think, for our times. I I have never felt so many things coming at me in with so many. Every day there's something new, and it, and it's another sort of catastrophe that we have to
2: live through. It seems like every news day is uh, a skin of our teeth. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's exactly right and it's a big reason why we selected this title. We're actually circling back to it because we did it 10 years ago. Um, very different production, we, much smaller. We did it at the Theater Garage, the now now sadly gone love, Theater Garage love, Yeah, in 2009, sure. um, which was a time uh, of great uh, economic crisis and mm-hmm. um, and uh, we'd just been hit with 2008. That was right, insane. right, right. We had the hope of Obama's administration, mm-hmm. um, so the hope was building. Um, but now, ten years later, I, I, you know, we we just feel like we are faced with so many uh, additional new. Uh, challenges. And I mean, to my mind, it just feels like we're kind of at a time of moral peril. So I, I think the play is But really, the optimism is good. Ex- exactly. Know. And that's and that's why the play is important, because you see through each of the three acts what this family is facing, and they find a way to persevere. And humanity, in the end, perseveres. So it's, it's ultimately a very positive message. But before they get to... At the end of the play, they've survived the Ice Age, the Great Flood, family strife, politics, political conventions, (laughs) and world war. (laughs) Welcome to our world. Right. So
1: another week in the
2: news. That's right. There's a lot uh, of familiar things in there. And interestingly, I mean, in the first act, there are refugees. There are refugees that the Antropous family has to decide whether they will take in or not. And they do. In the second act, there's great um, environmental crisis with with a flood. And in the third act, we're seeing the aftermath of a, a great uh, world war that has, has you know, ripped the society apart. So there's a lot of threads from our our current lives in, in the play. And it was written in 1942. Won the Pulitzer in '43. So it's a 75-year-old a piece that... Um, Really speaks to today. It seems to be sort of the other bookend to our town. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) yes. You you have the sweet, quaint, you know, nostalgia, and
2: then you have, you know, the crisis of our times. Right. And I am like the biggest Thornton Wilder geek, (laughs) and I'm kind of the torchbearer for Thornton Wilder here in the Twin Cities. But we've produced all three of his his uh, full length um, productions, and what a couple of things draw me to that. That author, primarily, is—it's just his his connection with the hu- the everyday human with the cosmic consciousness just speaks through his work in a, in a really um, profound way. I I think in all three of those works, so that d- draws me in. And um, piggybacking on Laura's uh, comments too especially for a writer of that time, you know, in the 30s and 40s, he wrote really strong female characters. So that was another reason that we've just been drawn to his bigger productions for our for our company. I think it also
0: speaks to that tension of, of who we are as an individual and who we are in the community. Yes. So what is my significance and yet how do I also create significance with the community, whether it's that small town or whether it's with chaos that comes right. Right.
2: And you see that in the Antrobus family, but Mr. Antrobus is uh, essentially the the president of the mammals. <laughs> in the second act, we're, we're at the convention of mammals in Atlantic City, and he has just been elected president. So he's speaking to all the assembled orders of uh, mammals and, you know, fishes and flora and fauna and vertebrates, so. <laughs> Well, also,
0: doing the play with Park Square, you know, in partnership, speaks again to the relationship that you have with the artistic community, which I'm, yeah. I'm very... And
1: this is a chance, again, particularly 10 years after that production in the theater garage, to go really big and be right. a 350-seat proscenium.
2: Yep. And, it's a uh, great... With a big space to fill. I know. It's a great <laughs> opportunity. A scary and exciting one. But, we, yeah, we're able to do uh, a lot more... Um, on the bigger stage, and there'll be quite a bit of uh, video and projection in the play, which we weren't able to do um, the first time around. So that's a fun new artistic uh, uh, challenge and development for us, too. We're with really Joel Sass forward to.
1: designing and directing?
2: Joel Sass designing sense. and directing, yeah, one of our, our top directors here in town. So we're just delighted. He's designed for us before but hasn't directed with us before.
0: Well, I also want to make sure folks know the dates. Uh, Antigone opens February 1st runs through March 3rd. Skin of Our Teeth opens February 7th. Uh, and runs through March third, so, so kind of running in tandem. You
1: are looking for a weekend of great theater and food. Their opening nights happen to be on a Friday and a Saturday, one right after the other. Oh. So Naughty Greek is going to cater the uh, <laughs> oh, that food for Antigone, fabulous. and uh, we're going to have a new Beaningful Cafe, a social enterprise <gasps> uh, associated with Neighborhood House uh, Services, cater the opening night for a Skin of Our Teeth. Fabulous. So I'd, I'd make it a bookend.
0: Terrific. And tell us about the uh, two fundraisers.
1: Oh, February 23rd, you're not going to want to miss our high-end meat raffle, the cattle call ball. I love it. And our spring mischief gala on April Fool's Day.
0: Wonderful. Florida Lino, tell me about the Artistic uh, Fellowships real quick.
3: Yeah, Artistic Fellowships will be starting, uh, we're, we're accepting applications on Monday for directors and for uh, designers. Art- and Artworktheater.org. There you go. And then also look for our upcoming season announcement um, uh, in February. Thanks so much. See you next week. I won't